This is the Vandy Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Billy Derrick, and uh, this week's episode is brought to you by The Wash House, the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, Sutherland and & Belk, and Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Topics on today's show, as well as this season's baseball content, are brought to you by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company. They are a family-owned, third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro. That partnership began over 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. They now serve all over the South, Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and North Georgia. For more info, visit their website at mpmci.com. All right, today's news is brought to you by The Wash House. They are a uh, presenting sponsor for basketball season. They've got two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area. Just drop off your dirty laundry, and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Log on to washhouseclean.com or stop in today and get your time back. All right, special guest on today's episode, Norman Jordan, former record-breaking running back at Vanderbilt from 1979 to 19. 82, played under uh, Fred Pancoast and George McIntyre, and he's also the color analyst on the Vanderbilt Radio Network. Uh, you can hear him on 102.5 The Game, not this Saturday. So, Norman, get a get your weekend, get your Saturday off, uh, but you guys will head down to Oxford next Saturday, and uh, you'll be on the call there with Andrew Allegretta, Kevin Ingram as well, and everybody a part of that. Norman, I brought you on here today. First off, one of my mistakes this week was uh, missing our normal allotted time. I was supposed to record this with Luke Wyatt. Uh, but I ended up uh, shooting you a text, and, and I'm glad you're able to join me. And I've got a lot of mailbag questions uh, to get to, uh, but I, I want to start overall. Uh, you know, we're past the halfway point, right? First bye week, Vanderbilt will have another bye coming up right before Tennessee. They head up to Knoxville. Where's this team at in your mind, Norman? I mean, did did you did that Georgia game? And this is actually one of the the questions, but. Did that Georgia game sort of give this team a little bit of life heading into uh, this bye week, maybe? Oh, I, I think it did. Uh, you know, if you, you go back and look early in the season, if they played like that early on, again, certainly they're not going to see another team any more talented than this Georgia team. I think it gave them a boost. I, th- I think they went out and, and took care of the football, uh, went out and played uh, hard, executed better than they have been executing. So, you know, I, I played against Georgia four times, I guess, and uh, two of those times uh, you felt like a, a little cat toy <laughs> where, where they were just going to make the score whatever they wanted to make it. And then the other two times we were pretty good and and uh, scores were very similar, but uh, we, we certainly gave them more the last couple of years. So, you know, I, th- I think Georgia's very interesting. One, that their talent is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And two, it, it looks to me like Kirby Smart is basically trying to get Beck ready for the big run at the end of the season. I think he's relying more on his pass game than he normally would. But, you know, I, I, who am I to guess what Kirby's trying to do? Right. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best country, best coaches in the country, and he's, that's, he's won two back-to-back national titles for a reason. And heading into that game, Norman, I mean w- – Joey and I, Chris and I, we all talked pretty honestly about what we expected in that game. I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, we thought Georgia was going to come in and, and, and handle Vanderbilt. But Vanderbilt blocked out the noise. They blocked out everything that, uh, as, as Clark Lee says all the time, insulate the program. And they did that. And, you know, I was impressed. I, I came away impressed. And I think if you're a Vanderbilt fan and you didn't come away impressed um, and, and – on the other hand, if you came away disappointed, 
I don't really know what to tell you. You know, I mean, I, I, I just think there were, I, you know, it's Georgia, right? You got to take it with the grain of salt. You know, you're not playing, if this was UNLV, Alabama A&M, that's a totally different story. But this was Georgia on national TV, and Vanderbilt, I thought, held their own for most of that game. Now, the scoreboard probably wasn't totally indicative, Norman, uh, but I came away really impressed with that group and, and how they were ready to play. They could have easily folded up the tent, you know, and, and because, Norman, they hadn't scored a touchdown in Georgia since 2019, right? And, and, and the, the combined score of the last couple of games was 117 to zero, right? So to even put up three touchdowns, three scores uh, is encouraging. Yeah, that's one of the things I, I told Andrew Allegretta before the season. One of my goals for the team was for Georgia and Tennessee in particular to uh, know that they played a game when they played Vanderbilt. Right. And Georgia certainly knew. I mean, you you were going for a two-point conversion to take it down to, you know, 30 to 22. So, I mean, they, they certainly came in here and found out, you know, that we're in a game right now. So, it, I, I enjoyed it very much and – Again, not <laughs> not to uh, sing the praises of Georgia too much, but it's just fun to watch a team that talented. But I, I, I loved watching Vanderbilt play. Yeah. I, I thought they they went out and and um, you know getting that that first score early, I, I think changed the entire tenor of the game. Agree, agree. And I, I mean, I'm with you, Norman. I, I mean, I was up there in the booth, and it is fun to watch Georgia, but to see Vanderbilt rise to the occasion was also encouraging and fun. And so I think for a lot of these fans, uh, you know, you lost the game uh, by 17, uh, but, you know, you did cover and you found a way to be somewhat competitive. So uh, I think that is encouraging. But, Norman, we've got a lot of mailbag questions, and we're finally getting to them. I posted these on Sunday, so we've had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, people waiting on these. So we'll start at the quarterback position, and, and we'll get right to it. Of course, Ken Seals has played, what, Norman, the last three, four games? For, yeah. uh, for for Vanderbilt, so um, three and a half, I would say, yeah, three, yeah, three and a half. So, you know, and he's taking care of the football. I think only two turnovers: uh, the 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 interception against Missouri in the red zone, uh, and then the interception against Georgia uh, right before the half, which was crucial uh, to to Georgia. I think you know getting some momentum heading into the half, and then they possess the ball for like the entire third quarter. Uh, but Ken Seals is taking care of the football. We haven't seen AJ Swan. Uh, he, he is back at practice and Clark said he has looked like his normal self again. I think that's encouraging to hear if you're a Vanderbilt fan. Uh, but the question here is from VU Matt 23, assuming everyone is healthy, who should be the starting quarterback? And you're not, you're not the head coach here, Norman, you're not making the call, uh, but just sort of assess that position and, and what this decision will be like and, and is like, uh, for the staff right now. Well, first of all, you know, Vanderbilt was in a pretty good position to have a quarterback, backup quarterback, with as many reps as, as Ken Seals had right. coming into the season. Also, in a good advantage to have a quarterback that stayed involved, who looked like, you know, he's not going to play much this year, but Ken really stayed involved. So my hat's off to him. I really appreciate what he's done for the program. And I would expect it to be Ken Seals again. Uh, you know, when, when A.J.'s arm was banged up, he just didn't have that pop on the ball that he, he normally has. And he's, he's probably all better right now, but you know, you gotta, you gotta beat the champ to be the champ. And so yeah, Ken Seals right now is the starter uh, and he's taking care of the football. He's doing everything the coaches ask him. So I would expect to see him uh, when we go down to Ole Miss. Speaking of Seals, Norman against Georgia, I was impressed. I mean, the, the throw, you saw that quick slant throw to, to Humphreys 
Uh, you saw a few throws down the field uh, to McGowan that we really hadn't seen uh, in a while, you know, at least the last several weeks. And it felt like there was more chemistry between the play calling, the quarterback, and the receivers. And you could tell that, you know, there had been some work put in and some adjustments. I mean, you saw some plays you hadn't seen all year. You saw some formations and shifts and motions that you hadn't seen all year. So for Seals, I just think when when you saw him against Georgia, that's Georgia, right, Norman? Now you take that to Ole Miss, you take that to Auburn, you take that to South Carolina. That's a winnable – it feels like at least a winnable formula potentially. Yeah, I mean, you've got a guy spreading the ball around real well. You know, A.J. was pretty much getting where he he was looking for Will Shepard and and finding him, and, and Will's getting a lot of touchdowns. But to have a complete team, you've got to have several receivers. And occasionally you've got to be able to blow the top off and, and throw the deep ball. And that's what Ken's done. And if you watch him in the games, you know, he came in in the UNLV game. And if you watch him in the games after that, he got more and more comfortable back there in the pocket. And now he looks like he looked when he was a freshman and sophomore from a standpoint of instead of uh, getting happy feet and kind of panicking, he's stepping up into the pocket and and letting those guys rushing on the end come in behind him and uh, stepping into his throws and making good throws. So I've been really impressed with the way he's come in and and handled himself. How about Seals' running ability too, Norman? I think, I I mean, we haven't seen a ton of it, but he had that touchdown against Missouri. I think that's another facet that if Vanderbilt tweaks, uh, whether it's scheme or, or formation, Seals isn't the the best athlete on the field, but I mean he's a he is a willing and capable runner. So you think they might uh, might run him a little bit more? You know, I, I, if if I were running things, which would be a disaster, <laughs> but if I were running things, I, I would make sure I ran him at least one time a game, just so they had to respect that. It's it's almost like having a twelfth player on the field mm-hmm. when you got a quarterback that can pull the ball down. Ken's got pretty good speed. He's got uh, a good acumen about knowing when to get down and, and he, knowing where the first down is. So I would do it just to keep the other team honest every once in a while. All right, let's move on here, Norman, to Bex for VU. And I don't think anyone expected a question about Rod Dauhauer, but he asked, um, what made Rod Dauhauer such a bad fit at Vanderbilt? And, I, of course, I wasn't even a thought, uh, but I've heard some stories about his tenure at Vanderbilt, and I think you know <laughs> – you know better than me. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, you go from from coaching. He came from the pros to the college level, and you go from coaching guys where uh, you you've got control over them, but they they're also making a boatload full of money. Uh, you right. don't have any limited hours. You don't have any anything like that. They don't have to go to class and all that. So I, I think that was probably a little bit of a shock to him to have that and and then to have, you know, somebody on staff like like Woody Woodenhofer that, you know, Woody's he's as big as all outdoors. And, you know, when he <laughs> when he's on there, he's he gets center stage because he was such a great defensive mind. So, you know, I'd say the combination of coming down from the pros and having uh and I'm not saying in any form or fashion that Woody mm-hmm. did anything wrong, but Woody's just he's a big, big personality and You've got somebody like that. It's it's going to get a lot of attention. We could have a whole podcast about some of these Vanderbilt coaches. I mean, you played <laughs> you played under Fred Pancos, McIntyre. I mean, you know, some 
there, there's a lot of history with this program. I'd love to do uh, a podcast with with whether it's you, Watson Brown. I'm hoping to get Watson Brown on down the road, but I, I think there's some stories, some layers to a lot of these, uh, a lot of these coaches. Norman, let's get to the next one. Poor Vandy fan six one five. Any updates on C.J. Taylor's injury? Hoping for the best for his sake and the team. And first off, Norman, uh, the update, Clark Lee said that uh, he, and I just forgot what exactly he officially said, but he didn't say, okay, he said it wasn't season ending. So, uh, but again, every, it's pretty unclear right now, and uh, it's not looking like Taylor will go against Ole Miss. We'll see if he's able to go down the stretch. Um, again, we don't know if this is going to be a season ender or not. Uh, but first off, Norman, hate it for him. Uh, obviously, one of the more talented players on this team. Hopefully, he gets back uh, to, to full health. I mean, because he's a guy that I think we can both agree that will play on Sundays. But, Norman, for, for this defense, how how needed is C.J. Taylor? And if, if he's not here for, I guess, the foreseeable future, maybe he shows up uh, for the last couple of games. Who knows? Uh, but But how much does that impact this defense? Oh, it's got a tremendous impact because it, the, the secondary is already, you know, very thin from injuries already. So if you take away who I would call probably the best guy they've got in terms of uh, being able to do just about everything, he can he can yeah. rush the quarterback, he can tackle, he can uh, pick the ball off. He's, he just always seems to be around the ball. He's been a, a pleasure to watch. Uh, I watched him come off the field Saturday, and it, it kind of reminded me of a couple of times that I got hurt where I almost felt like he was walking off the field more for his mom, for his family than he was for anything else. He just wanted them to know I'm okay. Right, yeah. And uh, that's that's kind of what it felt like. So I don't know how long he'll be out. I doubt the coaches know at this point how long he'll be out. But uh, if he is out, he'll he'll certainly be missed because – He's just so much fun to watch. I mean, yeah. it's one of the highlights. I, I find him before the ball snapped every play. I find out where's CJ because something's about to happen. And it, it's just been a lot of fun to watch him. Well, and he almost had that interception. I thought, I mean, on the replay, I thought potentially he might have kind of bounced the ball up with, you know, covering the bottom there um, after tipping Carson Beck. But it did look like the nose of it got the ground there. Uh, but man, would that have been one heck of a play? I, I, I didn't. Now, real time, I was like, "Oh, no way!" But it was closer than than I think a lot of people initially thought to really being a pick. Yeah, so, and I think that hadn't happened uh, against that gold backdrop with with the V right there. Yeah, I don't think you would have been able to tell that's as good well. Point. Good point. So, yeah. And when I saw it, I thought when I saw it live, I thought he didn't get it, and then when I saw the replay, I thought he didn't. But it was a heck of a play anyway. Uh, so, you know, that's just what he does. Yeah. He just he makes things. He, he's a catalyst. He's a game wrecker. I mean, you know, you've seen him in Missouri last year, Norman. I know they didn't win that game, but, I mean, he catapulted them. And, uh, you know, you typically see edge rushers, right, game wreckers, you know, Donald, who, you know, all the good pass rushers. I mean, you played with several, I'm sure. But, you know, he's a he's a, a, the anchor position, right? He's a linebacker, safety hybrid. So for a guy to be at that position and be as much of a game wrecker as he is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, and you watch what goes on during the game, and I, I'm pretty sure they design things for him. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, oh, what was the safety for or defensive back for uh, the Steelers? Uh, Palomalu. Yeah, Palomalu. It's it's like him. You you yeah. knew that they were just sitting in the uh, coach's room going, what can we do with him? And I feel like they <laughs> do the same thing with CJ. 
Hey, Troy, time the, time the snap count right here. Hop over yeah. the line. <laughs> All right, Norma, let's get to another one here. May Username asks, was our competitive game against Georgia a sign that we've turned the corner or another example of Georgia playing down to the competition? For example, South Carolina was up 14-3 to at the half in Athens, and Auburn was ahead at the half and tied in the fourth quarter with them. Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are, you know, I, I don't think it was Georgia playing down to the competition as much as it was Vanderbilt playing up to the competition. Uh, I, I just felt felt like uh, the kids were ready to play. And frankly, I, I felt like what Clark did about three or four games ago and just went back and said, look, we're not taking care of the football. We're getting too many penalties. We're doing things that we shouldn't do. We're busting on too many plays. The defense is doing something good. The offense is coming out and do, doing a three and out. We're just not doing what you got to do with Vanderbilt football. If you look at the stats, it looks like an incredible blowout for Georgia. I think they were over 500 yeah. yards in offense, and Vanderbilt had 200 or barely over 200. But that's the way Vanderbilt's got to play to win is, is you've got to keep the game close and make the other team in the fourth quarter go, wait, wait, uh, we could lose this thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, take take a little bit of the steam out of them. And, and I think that's somewhat what happened with Georgia. Is that how Vanderbilt's always been, Norman? Because, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 24. I'm, you know, I'm not, haven't been around as long as you. But the more people I talk to, it feels like that's a consensus of, look, at Vanderbilt, you're not going to get, you know, the amount of four or five star guys, if not, if maybe not, if any. You know, I mean, is that a typical formula, at least, you know, from your experience? Uh, the, uh Keep you know, it close to the yeah, fourth keep, quarter. Yeah, keep it close. Yeah. Take care of the ball. You know, nothing. You know, nothing to really screw us over. You know, kind of just. I don't. I, I don't want to say conservative, but you know, a little conservative. And because going back to Bobby Johnson, I thought that 2008 season was a lot like that. I mean, <laughs> there weren't a lot of low-scoring games, and uh, and even as the lights go out on me in here, um, you know. And I was talking to Luke Wyatt too about some of those teams in the 80s and 90s. They were similar style. Now you played in a high-powered offense, so you you might. <laughs> That year might have been different, 82 and, you know, the early 80s. But uh, I, I just feel like that's a common theme with Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think it is. I, you know, defensively for Vanderbilt, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do recruiting. I, I, I see this, the talent level certainly up. I think that the down linemen are as good as I've ever seen here, you know, for uh, with depth and all that. And the mm-hmm. linebackers are good and all that. But I still think you're not going to be an overpowering defense. You're going to have to be a – if not a bend but don't break, you're just going to have to be one of those teams that makes the other team earn their scores, yeah. make them do 12-play drives. If if you do a 12- or 15-play drive, chances are you're going to make a mistake in there. And and that's I think that's what they've got to do defensively. And offensively, you know, they can't go out there. Yeah, we, we played high-powered offense when, when I was there. And the defense would we, – we'd go score. And I think our average scoring was under two minutes uh, a, a drive. Mm. And uh, the defense would be going, what, what, don't score so fast. We're like, look, go do three and out. We'll come right back out and play. Right. It, 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 but, you know, they've got to get to where they can keep the defense off the field. The defense isn't going to go out and just shut a team like Georgia down. So you've got to keep them in there and keep them fresh. Uh, I, I do think Vanderbilt's had an advantage they haven't been at for a while and that you're seeing more playing time for more kids and one yeah. of the things that's been disappointing about the year this year is you're having to lean on a lot of freshmen and yep. sophomores, <clears throat> and you're you're just not as good if you don't have those game time reps. It's uh, 
I, the way I've always put it is if you're thinking you're not playing football and it's, it's kind of a way of saying uh, you, you play your best football when it's subconscious, you, you, you do it without thinking about it. And if you're thinking too much about what that guy just did, then he's by you and gone by the time that uh, you understand what's going on. So you just have to, to learn to react and, and be coached up so much that you, that's what you do is just react. Right. Coming into the season, Norman, too, I don't know that we expected Richie Hoskins, you know, to have two touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, th- that's kind of where this program's at, right? Whoever, If you're playing well in practice, if you're performing well, if you're if you're pulling your weight, you're going to play, right? And, 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 you know, we've seen Will Shepard the last couple of games um, maybe not be as explosive, although he did have that crazy catch against Georgia. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they get him involved. But you talk about the offense, and this is kind of a question of my own, a follow-up. What do you do to stay on the field? I know that's probably a, a dumb question. You know, obviously pick up first downs. But with where this offense is at, let's picture the Ole Miss game, right? You, you go down to Oxford, you've got Ken Seals as your starter, and you saw them pick up some first downs against Georgia, but they were still pretty inefficient on third downs. I think they finished two for seven uh, at the end of the game. Georgia was, you know, nine for 13. Uh, so how do they stay on the field, Norman? Well, for me, it's it's keeping yourself in manageable third down situations. If if I'm at third and three, third and two, I've got a whole lot better chance of mm-hmm. getting that first down than I do at third and eight. And you know, you see a third and twelve, and and things like that. And that that you've only got a handful of plays that you can run that can right. get you eight or twelve yards. And that lets the defense. Uh, if I'm a, a pass rusher, I just lay my ears back and go after the quarterback. If I'm defensive back, I, I wait for a mistake and look for a pick pickoff. So, you know, if you put yourself in those situations, you take the run away. Linebackers are dropping dropping out just as soon as that ball snap because they know you're not going to run the ball. Well, and that feeds right into our next question here, Norman from VU STEM Marsha. Um, she says she's talking about the inability to run the football. Uh, she says that has limited the passing game and prevents us from sustaining drives and converting third downs. I think we can agree on that. Uh, and she pointed to what the issue, you know, she's trying to figure out what the issues are within this running game. She asks, is it scheme, leverage, uh, continued poor execution, um, you know, inexperienced? I think there are some inexperienced guys at, on the offensive line, but I mean, for the most part, it's a pretty experienced group. Well, you know, where do you, what do you look at when you look at the offensive line and why they maybe haven't been able to run the ball as well as they wanted to so far? You know, I, I think with, with this zone blocking and, and not to get too technical because I, I'm not capable of getting too technical, but <laughs> basically uh, maybe your guard and your tackle are going to come out and block the defensive end together, but then you see the linebacker coming, then the guard's going to get off of the end and go after the linebacker. And it, it, it's, I think it's more of a chemistry thing than anything else. It's a trust issue. Uh, it's it's knowing that you're going to make the right read. There there are four or five decisions being made at the snap of the ball by all these linemen. And am I going to make the right decision? Can you trust me to make the right decision? And if you do, you're going to block all that much harder on the on the defensive end because you know I'm going to get the the linebacker and, and this play is going to work. And I think that's that's what a lot of it is. It's with the zone blocking. I think it's such a chemistry issue, and and I I have brought this up to some of the coaches, and they they agree. I said, you know, I'm not sure you always put out your best five linemen. You put out your five linemen that play the best together. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, with that zone blocking, if you see that, and everybody's doing it now, and it, it, it's really it's ingenious the way they came up with it. But uh, when you've got that, if you don't really trust the guy to make the right read there at the split second subconsciously, as we were talking about earlier, then, you know, you, you just don't have that drive to take care of your guy because you're afraid that the linebacker is going to come through and clean everything up. So it's a, probably a terrible answer to a really good question, but I, I think it's chemistry. I think it, it's guys working together, uh, almost like watching di- gymnasts doing things together. It, mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's just one of those things where when it clicks, it clicks, and when it doesn't, it it looks like a train wreck. Let's get to uh, P Universe here. If uh, if you Norman were Clark Lee and you were told you have two more years to turn things around but you have to make changes immediately to show the administration and fans that you were the right man for the job. What are the first two changes you would make? You can't answer that uh, as you wish. Yeah. Well, uh, don't put me on the spot. Or anything. <laughs> uh, and know, this I, can be scheme, whatever, you know. I've, I've always said, and, and I'm not advocating changing coaches or anything like that, but I've always said if if I were head coach, I would tell every coach on my staff, you've got two years to prove to me that you're in the top half of my staff. And if you don't, then we're going to be looking elsewhere. And I, I think if you're just up front with people like that and, and find out, are you getting the job done? And if you're not, can I help you get the job done? And if I help you and it's still not happening, something's not clicking. And, and uh, you know, I don't know all these coaches. I don't know what's working and what doesn't work. I, you know, I know a lot of them, but I, I couldn't evaluate them if, if you held a gun to my head. I, I just don't know uh, who's doing a great job, but you look at the, what's on the field and you see the way the kids play. That's reflective of coaching, but it's also reflective of your players. And, you know, I see more talent out there than I've seen in a while for Vanderbilt. So, you know, the I think the whole thing Clark's got to do is coach these kids up. You got to coach them so much better than you do. You know, I, I keep thinking back to that two point conversion Vanderbilt tried and Lasseter, the defensive back, looked like he mm. jumped over tall buildings to yeah. knock the ball down. I'm like, who can do that? That's Jimmy's and Joe's. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that that's one of my things I would do is, is I've always said it. Uh, you know, if I were doing that, I would say, you got two years. Show me you're, you're one of the best coaches I've got. Let's go to Nash Native 615. Uh, let's see here. It's a big question about Seals uh, and Swan. And basically, the question revolves around, uh, well, here, here it is. Should the results of the season be more important determining the starting quarterback for Ole Miss or who was recruited by the staff and who wasn't? And Norman, I mean, all fair. And even, you know, when we were talking about Swan and Seals, Seals has protected the football uh, and, and, you know, this is, this is nothing against Swan, right? He's a sophomore, right? He, he's uber talented. We, we know how talented he is. Um, but within this, this season right now, uh, you think Seals is the better option? Well, you know, first of all, let me say with, with AJ, um, how many times have you seen a, a quarterback have a great freshman year? Because he's just basically living off of, of what he could do in high school. He doesn't know what he's not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. when he gets to college and then you get to to college and after your freshman year they start telling you no you can't throw back against your body 
again, you know, in the middle of the field because it'll get picked off. So you have so many things going on in your head that you, you can't, you're thinking more than you should be thinking. And, and, you know, I know having played, call come in having played with Taylor I, I know that uh you know Whit instantaneously knew what he was going to do with the ball talking about that, Whit Taylor yeah yeah and that that's one of the things that you got to get to uh you don't get to it real quickly but you do get there and and all of a sudden it's it's like I was telling one of the guys that he's played with he, he said I said you should know where you're going after your first step you know you, you should know it that quickly so that that's really I, I guess what I'd say. AJ's very talented. Unfortunately, this is this is what happens in college football today. You're recruiting your own mm-hmm. every year, so you you got to handle AJ as well as you can handle him. You know, uh, build him up as much as you can build him up. But you know what's happened has happened, and uh, just go back in and and say, look, you're you're our guy coming back. Let let's go play football. All right, we've got a question for VU Perrier. Uh, this is directed at Luke, but I'm not sure if you know who uh, Steve Crosby is, offensive coordinator uh, Steve Crosby. This question, do you have any Steve Crosby stories? Uh, I thought he was very underrated. Uh, wow. No, I, I don't, unfortunately. Okay, I didn't know. I mean, I, I don't know who that is. I'm, I'm sure Luke would. It was directed at Luke. Well, I didn't know you, if you knew you who said, he was. You said uh, earlier you made one mistake, and I, I think I'm your second mistake. <laughs> of the day so sorry I, I i do not know uh know that answer i i don't know him either uh let's see here go doors 94 probably didn't help that dowhauer was trying to run a west coast offense with uh denardo's option players okay yeah very good point <laughs> you could have that uh all right well that that's all the questions norman i've got i've got one more here for you i don't want to keep you too long and again this is a the bye week episode here but for Vanderbilt right now, and we talked about the quarterback. We talked about uh, the the defense, and I, and I think well, we didn't talk about defense much, but I mean overall, especially against Georgia, I felt like they did what they could and with the players they had. I mean they're so banged up right now, uh, so I think that's the first thing getting healthy during this bye week. Uh, but you got four games left, Norman. What what do you want to see? And again, I'll probably talk to you within the next four weeks uh, at some point again. But what what are a couple of things you, you're really looking for down the stretch of this season uh, to to basically convince you that this team can get on the verge of potentially making postseason and showing signs of improvement, taking a step rather than taking a step back in this in this growth? Yeah, I, I don't think it's anything terribly complex. It's, it's stuff I talked about earlier. It's it's not getting the stupid penalties, not getting any penalties. But, you know, playing disciplined football. It's taking care of the football. It, it's uh, offensively. If if you get a, a turnover, go get six or or three points out of it, and show your defense that you know you're playing complimentary football. That that's really I think what Clark's looking for for the end, end of the season. And of course, you're always looking for effort. You're looking for that guy that just wants to be out there. He loves playing the game, and he's getting better and getting better. So that's really what I'm looking at when I watch these guys. And, you know, the thing that I find interesting is I, I don't see any quit in these guys. I, yeah. I've seen teams before where you could kind of watch them put their hands on their hips and, and start going, well, there it goes again. There's that play that went against us. 
I, I don't see that from these guys. I think they've got a lot more upside than uh, than it would appear at this point in time. I think they slightly overperformed last year, going five and seven and getting two SEC wins. I think they've underperformed this season, but I think it's all just a, a flick of the switch mentally in in their subconscious to to where they go. Hey, we're we're pretty good. That it kind of happened to us when I was playing. We looked around one day and we kind of went, Hey, we're pretty good. And yeah, it, I, it, I was told, and I don't know if you were on this team. I was told. And maybe this was was Watson Brown as a head coach. They had a season late in the year. Uh, they they won four out of their last five games, and that you know they were they were at the point before that where they were really struggling. Um, and I don't think you were on that team. I don't know what year it was. The '80s and '90s variable football run together for me. Uh, but I was told that, and I think that reigns true with this team, Norman. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Uh, but I think they're excited about about these last four games because they think they've got what they what they need to to pick off a couple of wins here. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, th- this isn't stuff that coaches can coach. This is guys in the locker room where you flipping kind of a switch. One day, huh? I'm sorry, flipping the switch. Yeah, you you look around and you go, uh, "Hey, we're not bad. We we can do some things." And then you just figure out what it is you can do, and you just do it repeatedly. And, and uh, you know, offensively, back when we were good, we felt like we dictated everything that went on. We felt like the only way that anybody stopped us was if we messed up. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's a good place the, to be. That, yeah, that's the attitude that, that they've got to get to is you can't stop us, we can stop us, but you can't. Whit Taylor, Alma Matthews. Yeah. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Uh, Jim Arnold uh, at the punter position. I mean, athletes on defense. Uh, and I actually got my hands on a on a highlight tape of that season. I don't know if you've seen it before. Charlie Mack Alexander is on the call for a lot of them. It's pretty special. <laughs> so I think that's a special team. A lot of Vanderbilt fans' minds and hearts. And I think it's always cool to compare, um, you know, seasons and and talent, quarterbacks, players. I don't know if there's ever been a quarterback quite like Whit Taylor and you know I mean of course you were alongside with him so uh that's always fun and, and normal a lot of times it takes one play right I mean yeah. one touchdown that you haven't seen all season and you go wow you know you, you, you never know so and it'll start not this weekend again off this weekend they head to Oxford next weekend uh, for a night kickoff, 6.30. You can watch it on the SEC Network. But more importantly, you can listen to Norman Jordan and Andrew Allegretta on the call, 102.5 The Game. And also, if they're not available on 102.5 The Game, if there's any conflict with the Preds, you can check them out on 94.9 uh, The Fan. But that's been the mailbag, and it's been brought to you by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call, 615-846-6200, to see what your rights are and if they can help. This podcast has always been free, and we plan for it to always be free. So here's how you can help keep it that way. Give the podcast a review and a five-star rating. That helps us get noticed. If you're listening and haven't subscribed to VandySports.com yet, please do. It's $99 per year or $99 per month and helps us tremendously. Subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel. And also, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, email Chris Lee at ChrisLee70.com. Norman Jordan has been our guest, former Vanderbilt Running back, Norman, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your off weekend. Thank you, Billy. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Norman. All right. That's it.